0: Hello, and welcome to Science Unscripted. It's Connor here. And Gabe. And uh, we got a, a bunch of emails, Connor. I'm going to start with one here from a, a, new, a new listener. I love those. Those. It, no offense to the old <laughs> listeners. We, we love you a lot, but it's <laughs> exciting getting a new listener yeah. or an email from a new listener. We got Chris
1: here. He says, I started listening to your program when an astronomy program that was being broadcast in the same, same time slot went to podcast only and was dropped. At first, I didn't care much for it. Referring to
0: us. For us. Yeah.
1: Well, that's a tough start, Chris.
0: Yeah, sometimes, sometimes you need to take, you know, a little taste of something first before you decide I... I... But it has grown on me considerably. <laughs> yes. Yeah? The latest episode presented
1: data from a study that indicated life satisfaction while improving marginally remains fairly consistent from youth into old age. Your suggestion that you're... I think this was your
0: suggestion. It, my, or, my, my what I took away from it, yeah.
1: <laughs> that your 30s were a difficult period doesn't really take into account that this is your present perspective. Mm-hmm. If the 30 year old you had been asked, How's your life? would your response be, It's okay? I think this is what the data from the study is concluding. Just a thought.
0: Uh, that, that was my biggest surprise, really, with the data. First of all, that uh, <laughs> the age gra- the young uh, teenagers, are relatively unhappy compared to the rest of us. But the bigger takeaway for me was that.
1: Let me me end with with how Chris ends his email because it gives me a lot of life satisfaction. He says, I really have been enjoying listening to your show. Keep up the good work, you guys.
0: Thank you, Chris. We will try. Great to have you. Great to have you with us. Another email from Elias. Hey, Connor and Gabe, I do not have a tattoo. This was in connection with a recent study on uh, how incarceration rates go up if you have tattoos and being arrested and being convicted correct yeah it all, all goes up all across whether you're the male or female more if you're male but so i do not have a tattoo i've never imagined anything i'd want on my body for the rest of my life until recently my cousin who lives in berlin recently posted a photo of her most recent tattoo an olive branch adorned with small olives and leaves monochrome not color It spoke to me on many levels, the olive for my Middle Eastern roots and also the olive branch, which I see as a call for peace, especially today. I don't know where I would get such a tattoo. However, I have fairly hairy appendages and I don't know how it would look with hairs sprouting through. I'm not a criminal. I've never been arrested. (laughs) Elias. (laughs) I just love where it twisted off to. But I, I agree. That sounds like a beautiful tattoo. Yeah.
1: We got another one on tattoos. I'm not going to even say the name of the person who wrote this, even though I, I, I love her and her art. Oh, so, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Long time <laughs> she, listener. She writes, on tattoos, I don't have one. I've always felt that if the world turns completely upside down, a tattoo would make me overly identifiable. hmm I am law-abiding, but if the wrong political forces take power, I want
0: to hide. Wow. So she's writing from the United States, by the way. Right. And That's it, harrowing. That... <clears throat> Well, we, yeah, that, that's that's uh, a look at a, a possibly dystopic future and connects to what we said on the show, which is that that has to factor into it. If you have a tattoo, you are more identifiable. Hence, if there's security camera footage of a crime committed, yeah. they can connect it back to you.
1: That was the one caveat of the study that it didn't have any information about where the tattoos were and whether they were visible with regards to its connection to incarceration rates, arrest rates, and conviction rates, yeah, but
0: still. Yeah, if you have a tiny little smiley face down on the underside <laughs> of your foot, I that don't think it shouldn't affect that, whether you're arrested or not. <laughs> Last email here from Patricia. I have just one tattoo on my left arm of my son, who died in 2015. I got it when I was 64. It's a version of a graffiti image on a garage door in our lane. It is a talisman that I touch to soothe the ache that I will always have over his loss. Patricia, really, really sorry to read that. And a reminder that tattoos do a lot of things, I guess, for, for people. I don't Is that the right thing to say even? It's a reminder that? I don't know. I don't think it's really a reminder of that. I know that that email moved me. Patricia, and thank you for sending. Yeah. Um, Whew. We'll go from there to some science. Gabe, you had something some news to start? Yeah, some science news.
1: Yeah, we're going to do a couple of shorties here. We've, we no, we normally don't do this. I'm going to read off a bit of science news. This is Science okay. Unscripted. This show is called Science Unscripted. Is it? And it's going to go into the a more scripted uh, <laughs> direction here. Okay. Le- what do you want? I'm going to do smartphone addiction or uh, artificial intelligence being better at weather prediction. Smartphones. Right? Yeah. One-third of the human population might be at high risk for smartphone addiction, according to a study, the largest of its kind, that was published this week in the International Journal of Mental Health and Addiction. Researchers from the University of Toronto, but also McGill and Harvard universities, compiled data from 50,000 people in 195 countries based on the smartphone addiction scale. It's a survey that comprises 10 statements, like, I have my phone on my mind when I'm not using it, I constantly check my phone so as not to miss conversations on social media. I feel pain in my wrists or at the back of my neck when using my phone. Oh, no. (laughs) Participants were asked to rate how strongly they agree or disagree with those statements. Interestingly, across the 41 countries that had at least 100 responses, women were far more likely to report problematic smartphone use. Also, younger participants reported more addiction issues arising from their phone, and across the globe, the most problematic use was reported in Southeast Asia; the least problematic was in Europe. Really? Mm-hmm. So the main takeaways there: a third of the world addicted to their phone, and more women than men. And Southeast
0: Asia is number one. Europe's doing doing the best. Germans are pretty good. German adults are pretty good about keeping that smartphone away. Mm-hmm. Uh, in compared to. My um, wife chastises me, and and my daughter's sitting here in the studio, by the way, and she she can probably attest that when I have my phone out, I get chastised. Do they say the word "fub" because my kids? I taught them the word "fub" to ignore someone and and pay attention to your phone instead, and so they call me out. They know the word "fub," right? You're fubbing me. Yeah. Um, I'm going to start off with some uh, f- surprising. Scientific news, I, I guess for me, probably for a lot of people out there. And it's connected, Gabe. I'm going to slide a graph over to you. This graph, I, I've spent, I, I spend too much time on X, the platform no, formerly known as Twitter.
1: Mm-hmm. And this
0: graph keeps popping up. It's from Copernicus satellites. These Ocean are, temperatures? Yeah. Uh, in general, it shows the temperatures or the, the, the fluctuating temperature of the oceans, the world's oceans, and... Um, 2023 is an enormous anomaly. I've never seen environmental scientists reacting as strongly to anything as I have this year, uh, seeing them kind of live- Post their reactions to this data coming in, the oceans, ocean water surface temperatures are much higher than they have ever been. And it, looking at the data, data here, the graph, it's not very close. It's, so what's going on? Is the, what is this? Yeah. That's real. That's scary. This is a an uh oh moment. Mm-hmm. Um, like a lot of g- things that need to be uh, examined scientifically. The answer is complex. We're in the middle of an El Nino year, which changes surface temperatures. There's a lack of Sahara dust that can block some sunlight. So if it's not there, then you got more sunlight. And there's also this underwater volcanic eruption close to Tonga that is affecting things. So it a lot of things are mixed into it. Also, and this is the unexpected or kind of contradictory thing mixed into this, is the fact that there's less pollution. Less pollution leading to... Warmer sea temperatures. How Less pollution, a yes. good thing. Yeah, how? <laughs> how could that possibly be? The answer is that as of 2020, there's been a rule in place that ships... I th- they used to be able to pump out with all that exhaust when they're shipping things across the oceans. Up to 3.5% of that could have been sulfur. Cruise liners. Sulfur dioxide. Any, any big ship. And they re- reduced it down 2.5%. What's interesting about that? is these ships largely because of that sulfur used to leave kind of like you know air, airplane contrails yeah those white lines of clouds high in the sky sure they used to leave those and now they're not doing that as much anymore and so it's a And sm- those clouds were
1: blocking sunlight bringing the global temperature down there was enough sulfur from these ships in
0: the atmosphere to bring the temperature down it's a it's a small part of the equation but an interesting one. So, I, one of the numbers I saw, and this is a this is a, a best guess, is that it's something like point zero zero five degrees difference, or it's part of this equation, but it's not it's not the whole story. It mm-hmm. would be wrong to say that because this has been changed with ships, that's why ocean temperatures are higher. That is not the case, but it is part of it. And what is the conclusion then? Let those ships spew that sulfur back up into the atmosphere, and then we're we're all good again, or nobody's saying that. Um, <laughs> and the conclusion is mostly that when we think about taking pollution out of the air that's obviously a good thing. We want to do that. We want cleaner air but one of the unexpected consequences of that could be rising temperatures because that pollution that we created used to block sunlight hmm. and now we're letting that sunlight block in. Um, sulfur or sulfur dioxide, the, the gaseous form is known. It's very good at blocking sunlight. Yeah. This is what happened after the asteroid that, or the, the comet that hit that How hit
1: harmful it. is it? Yeah. Um... Or did I, I, I? Sorry, I interrupted your train of thought there.
0: No, no, no. Uh, it's harmful in that once it's up in the atmosphere and mixes around with other gases, it forms acid rain, which then drops corrosive. In, yeah. Well, it leaches metals, heavy metals, out of in, into the into the drinking water, into the water supply. We don't want that, and that's why I I, I don't hear people talking seriously about pumping the, the air full of sulfur dioxide in order to block sunlight to cool our warming planet. Maybe a little bit. It's something that's on the list of, okay, if, the, if we have a true emergency, it's, it's possibly an option. People, I, people just, I'm talking about articles published in major newspapers around the world suggesting that this is something we should keep on our list of emergency measures because, as happened after the impact that took out the dinosaurs, um, and that was, I mean, gigatons of sulfur from the Yucatan Peninsula. So it was sulfur that killed the dinosaurs? Immediately, there, in, in, in the immediate in the aftermath, wake. it was heat, heat, yeah. and if you were locally close to it, you were wiped out. But yeah. for the years afterwards, it, it vegetation died off. Yeah. There, there was nothing to eat. Wow. So sulfur dioxide, interesting stuff. As we get it out of the air, things might heat up a tiny bit. Let's stick with the weather.
1: Um, this is another news, little news bit here. Artificial intelligence is better at predicting the weather than existing meteorological methods according to a peer-reviewed study published in the journal Science this week. GraphCast, a machine learning model developed by Google DeepMind, was significantly more accurate than our world's most precise weather prediction system, which is run by the European Center for Medium-Range Weather Forecasts, or ECMWF. GraphCast outperformed the ECMWF in almost all of the 1,400 metrics used in weather prediction, including temperature, pressure, wind speed and direction, and humidity in the atmosphere. The machine learning model draws on 40 years of data about how weather systems develop and move around the Earth. The input for its forecasts are simply the state of the atmosphere worldwide at the current time and six hours earlier. Based on that data, it produces a 10-day forecast within a minute on a single cloud computer. Conventional methods of forecasting use what's called numerical weather prediction, employing supercomputers to run mathematical equations based on atmospheric physics. In some graph casts, weather reports are not only way better, they are also approximately 1,000 times cheaper when it comes to energy consumption.
0: Well, you're, you're not running the physics equations. You don't need to know that if in this three-dimensional cube of space 10, you're, ten you're, miles above the ground, it's this temperature, then the next cube is you're also... You're just
1: taking the state of the atmosphere now compared to six hours earlier. And based on the way weather has happened over 40 years, these machine learning models know exactly what's going to happen up to 10 days in advance. Well, Hurricane you, yeah. Lee, they knew that it was going to hit nine days before it did where it, when it when it ran into the, the coast. Uh, Court... Compare that to the conventional model, I think it was six days. So that gave that place where the hurricane hit three days more to prepare.
0: Hmm. Yeah, that's, that's great. the effect. That's great. That's great. And somewhere there's a joke to be made about the fact that they're running this uh, via cloud computing. Har, har. Um, I'll just do a quick one here at the end because we're running out of time. Yeah. Uh, this was uh, uh, some research done on chimpanzees. And I kind of love chimpanzees, I always have. Mm. Even though they're scary, you like a
1: lot of primates.
0: Yeah, I'm primate by. Is there biased. a primate you don't like? Um, baboons. Uh, I re- I kind of despise baboons, and that's not really fair. But they have that big, ugly ugly butts. Yeah, and their pink rear ends look the they look cancerous. It's like a callus <laughs> Bul- that bulbous that just keeps expanding. And the the the, Cologne Zoo has what I call Baboon Island, mm. with a moat around it filled with the stinkiest water you'll you'll ever smell and they're all packed in there it looks like a horrible place to live a, a horrible animal to be in that setting and i'm i'm sorry for them that they have to go through that but i do just just they, they
1: a happy appearance
0: no aggressive and and so they're just awful all around huh? yeah feral like feral, I, I i'm sorry i don't yeah but chimpanzees uh, three year study two groups of chimpanzees chimpanzee groups are territorial yeah. don't come on my turf otherwise we're going to fight you and the other way around okay so they've got their both their areas uh this is in the cote d'ivoire part, part of this research was, was done uh with french researchers or this french organization yeah. so anyway the uh, there's a part of both their territories that overlaps where i'm allowed to go there but uh, is the other group there and the other you know it's, okay it's it's, yeah. con- it's a contested frontier yeah and so sounds like a crisis yeah. Well, you could definitely have you could have uh, violent attacks, sure. and members of each group could end up dying as a result of yeah. this. Yeah. Oh, I'm I'm, I'm, so, I'm all in on this one. Yeah. Yeah. What was new about this is, or what they've discovered was new about chimpanzee behavior is that if either of the two groups were going in the direction of that contested frontier, they were twice as likely to climb a hill. What hill? A hill. There, Just any old hill? Any hill. What if there was no hill there? And this is exactly what, um, if you were to study warfare strategy, what human beings would do. It's it's a lookout. If I'm going into an area that is contested and I might get attacked there, I want a vantage point to let me see what is going on there before I go down into it. Yeah. And this is something that's pretty obvious to us humans. We do it whether we're... Um, in an actual war, or or I in, just a, had a, I just in a had a snowball fight, a flash of
1: uh, an Ernest Hemingway's, for whom the bell tolls, at the end when Robert Jordan runs up that hill. What's he doing there? I don't know. He dies running up the hill get, at get, the end. Oh, okay. In the Spanish Civil War. That sorry.
0: Yeah, well, it that's yeah, kind of hills. Hills are valuable. He just runs up that hill. Hills are valuable. Dies. And and fought for because it it's a strategic vantage point to 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 collect information, figure out what your next move is. Mm-hmm. Again, for us for us humans, it's completely obvious. Nobody had figured that out with chimpanzees. Nobody knew whether or not they do it. And again, it was twice as likely when they're walking toward that area that they would do it. If they're walking back into their, the heartland of their own territory, they're not checking out the Don't hills. This, the hill. is, this is safe area. Why would I burn all those extra calories doing that? Huh. If you want to read more about this research, it's in PLOS Biology. Chimpanzees make tactical use of high elevation in territorial contexts. Yeah. I thought that was kind of interesting. Warring monkeys. All right. Well, that's it su.dw.com.
1: If you have anything to say, there were a bunch of topics covered today. Yeah. Uh, let us know whatever is on your mind. <laughs> Science unscripted.